Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mliwa Gavaza, and for today, uh, we get into a discussion around, um, you know, what's going on um, in the world of uh, loyalty programs and rewards. And we're just going to be chatting just around how big this market is and why, uh, you know, more companies um, need to be having this because we're going to be chatting to our Andre Fredericks, who is uh, the chief executive of Loyalty and Rewards over at Sunlam, about why um, loyalty programs are now a necessity as opposed to, you know, a nice to have for a business. So, Andre, greeting to you today. Hi, uh, glad to be here. Um, I think maybe a good place for us to start uh, by now, you know, many people already know the Sunlam brand, uh, what it is that uh, you guys do, one of the biggest names in the South African uh, financial services uh, sector. But specifically when we're looking at loyalty and rewards, um, what's Sunlam's interest, you know, in that particular space, just so that people understand, um, you know, your view when it comes to loyalty and rewards? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I, I think you said it at the opening, you know, loyalty and rewards have become so entrenched in specifically the South African market, where we know uh, that on average customers belong to north of nine different programs and really use this as a mechanism to, to maximize value, um, not just long-term value, but also short-term value. So companies can no longer ignore this. Um, it has become a necessity for customers. And we've seen that loyalty programs drive behavior change in customers. So if you want to remain um, relevant as a brand, that is something that you have to um, that you have to support. Uh, and the trick for businesses is to do is to do so in a way that is congruent with um, their brand promise. And, and over at Sunlum, our brand promises that we we um, help customers live with with confidence, being a, a long term financial um, insurer. So what we've done is designed our loyalty program to to support that. So um, so our focus is on wealth generation and protection, and so we help customers generate extra wealth by being loyal to Sunlum as a brand, and that is how we support them um, in terms of that loyalty value exchange. And I think that's an important point. Loyalty is always a value exchange. Customers stay with us for longer and we reward them with, with loyalty incentives. And, and to make this work, these, these programs need to essentially ensure that there's net value on both sides of the equation for the customer and always also for the brand. And if you get that right, um, that you can not only acquire new customers, um, but you can also create larger holdings within your existing customer base because we know that it's much more expensive to to sell to new customers, and um, it, it, it is it's far better if you could um, uh, expand your share of wallet with your existing customer base. Um, now, Andre, interestingly enough, uh, on this platform a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had uh, the team from Crossgate 
um, which is one of the companies uh, that actually does uh, personalized cards um, in the market. And they were actually telling us that a huge driver of uh, their business because they actually uh, print and issue cards on behalf of you know uh, the banks, uh, but a big piece of their business is coming from the loyalty programs that are out there in the market. Um, and they said, you know, out of the twenty or so million cards that they're issuing in a year, a healthy number come out of um, the loyalty programs. And obviously, from a South African consumer point of view, people are always familiar with uh, the more consumer-facing um, FMCG types of offerings. I'm talking Woolies, W Rewards, Pick and Pay Smart Shopper. Um, I think Checkers has one. You also have, um, you know, FNB with, uh, you know, eBucks. You know, all of these different programs that are out there. And one of the key questions to then ask, given the fact that Sunlam, you know, is also driving loyalty through its own programs, is are there specific types of business that are more suited to having loyalty programs? Or is it an offering that you think can actually be driven across various sectors? Um, yeah, I think I think it can be driven across various sectors. Um, I think what you're going to find is the the shape of that program is going to differ. Um, so if you take something um, like an FMCG, um, your touch point with the customer is is one that is far more regular. I have to go to the shop at least once a week. Um, and and uh, and sometimes more than once a week to a specific retailer. So so their programs are, are highly transactional, uh, designed to get you back in store um, and 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 to spend more, or sometimes on on the type of goods that they want you to spend um, um, your money on. Where, where other programs, for example, um, if you're in the long term financial services game you don't have the option for high transactionality. So you have to look for other mechanisms um, to, uh, and what we refer to as in, engage the client. So what is that value that you can exchange? So so for programs um, such as ours, where our product is, is typically longer term in nature, the, the shape of the loyalty program and engagement is very different. Um, it makes it a bit challenging um, because you, you want to keep the client um, as an, uh, as a client of the business for longer, um, and and you have to find ways to um, to support longer term loyalty while acknowledging the need for for shorter term loyalty and more immediate gratification. And, and I think that is where it, it becomes slightly trickier for, for for products such as ours, where you've got a that are longer term in nature, but. We, we found mechanisms to address that. And, and I think then you'll see the nature of every program is going to be different, uh, tuned to the business model and objectives of that specific uh, business and brand. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, really, really an interesting one. And I guess making that distinction um, around how uh, different brands can actually shape uh, their various loyalty programs and the fact that uh, making the distinction between those businesses that are regularly interacting with their customers versus like yours, um, where it's a long-term relationship, but you then have to innovate um, on the on the way that you then offer uh, some of that loyalty and how um, you then cater those rewards towards the people that are uh, that are your customers. 
maybe you could also then give us an understanding because I think we started off talking about the fact that um, one of the assertions from Sanlam is the fact that um, your loyalty programs are no longer a nice to have. Uh, are there any metrics that we can use just to understand uh, the size of the market, how big the opportunity is, um, you know, engagement when it comes to um, South Africans? Because South Africans, I'm pretty sure, uh, are part of a number of uh, various uh, loyalty programs, um, you know, over and above what we see in FMCG. Yeah, so um, there's there's some research that came out to, towards the end of last year that, that said uh, 73% active South Africans are, are engaged in one or more reward programs. Um, and, and, and that stretches across all sectors from retail, um, FMCG, um, banking and financial services. And, and customers belong to um, up to nine different programs and actively use these programs to, to extract value, some more than others. And really what it's about is a, is a, a the hunt for attention from that customer. So if if everybody in your specific industry is doing it and, and you don't have a value proposition that that first and foremost is true to your brand, then um then then you are losing out. And what the research also shows is that customers are voting with their feet and actually changing their behavior, where they shop, what they buy, how often they buy. Um, to actually maximize that. So, so the ones who win are the, are, the, are the ones where the programs amplify your default behavior. Um, so you were going to do that anyway, and so now you're just more likely to do it um, with, that, uh, with that specific customer. And, and we've seen in, in our space that uh, customers who are, are loyal and, and engaged are, are, for example, 40% less likely to lapse on their premiums. They are um, 2.8 times more likely to have more extensive portfolios with us and, and seven times more likely to pick um, us as their, as their next product. And so it, it really is one of those things where customers have become acclimatized to having loyalty and they actually look for that in the product set. Um, and the way I like to think about it, the analogy I always, always make, depending on your age, is, you know, at some point in, in the past, when you bought a media player, you bought the remote as an optional extra. And if you had a remote, you were one of the cool kids. But if you go buy a media player today, you don't check to see if there's a remote in the box. You expect it to be in the box. And if it's not there, then you are upset. And that's really what's happened to loyalty programs. It has become the default. Um, and the, the trick really is for companies to differentiate themselves with their loyalty program in a way that's highly engaging, but also true to their brand. Because otherwise, it's just something that you slap on. It's not authentic and customers um, will see through that. I want to drill down, uh, Andre, on one of the things that uh, you mentioned just now. And uh, that's this thing of noting uh, changes in uh changes in behavior and uh, I think this is where we could possibly end off today's discussion um, we definitely need to get you back to explore some of the other segments uh, but 
The first one is just around uh, behavior because, you know, just doing some research and understanding other loyalty programs out there. It's uh, a number of organizations use loyalty programs as a way to track behavior of customers, understand what people are interested, what people are buying um, and all that. From your from your perspective in your space, um, what does a loyalty program, what type of insights does it give to the likes of yourselves? Um, so, so our loyalty program has got two components. One is the financial reward component. Um, and so that really allows our customers to, buy, to, to build additional wealth over time at, at no additional cost. So there it's about stay with us longer and get access to additional wealth. We also have shorter term benefits that client can use on a, on a day-to-day basis while they wait for this longer term um, reward to um, to vest. So, so what's interesting when, when we look at, at, at that data is, is we start to see, um, for example, younger clients more interested in things like health, fitness, entertainment, and also travel. Um, we have a, a, let's call it a ride share benefit without going into any brand names, um, where we've got a, a high number of, of, of our customers using that and, and choosing that in, in after hours transport, which, which is interesting. And it's a combination of um, being responsible and using rideshare after hours, but also more younger people um, leveraging, um, leveraging that, that benefit. Um, we, we also have a, um, a loyalty benefit on our, on our credit card. We, we also have lots of interesting data in terms of what people are, are buying and also how they're using even something like credit in an actual responsible manner. I think the trick for all companies is to, is to understand just what kind of data assets they actually have um, and how to use that not just to their own advantage. I mean, we we think about something called customer success, which is we want our customers to be successful. And and that doesn't mean um, that they are successful at at RBS. That's we we want really a a shared uh, relationship where there's value for both to have. And, And I think there's lots of opportunity to mine more of that data to help our customers. So in, in our sense, it's around really helping that customer reach financial confidence. So where are the opportunities for you to be healthier in a financial context while still supporting you with day-to-day savings? Now, um, I think people like the FMCG crowd, they sit in lots of transactional data where, where they can help customers um, also save money by by, by driving them to um, to the right behaviors in, a, in the FMCG uh, context. In, in our context, it's around making sure that they end up in a position at the end of the day where they are financially fit, not just for, for themselves, but also for the generations to come. Yeah, it is very interesting to see how things have developed in the market and especially um, some of the benefits uh, that uh, customers end up using uh, when it comes to the specific loyalty programs that are out there. Now, as uh, we are rounding up, Andre, because I know that we have to let you go, is, um, you know, in your view and I guess for other players uh, that either have existing loyalty programs or especially those that are thinking of starting 
a, a loyalty program and they are concerned about the costs and the benefits, right? How do you think people should be thinking about cost? Should they be thinking about it as a customer acquisition cost? Uh, because you mentioned that earlier on, because loyalty programs can be a good way to get more customers on board. Is it more a customer retention cost? Is it a cost that's justified by, um, you know, further add-ons that customers end up uh, purchasing as part of an offering over time? Um, how do you think people should be thinking about that? Yeah, um, I, I think there are, there are three three elements to it. So the, the first one is, is definitely customer acquisition. And, and that's something that we've deployed um, quite successfully inside, inside our loyalty program. And, and one of the things we say is, is we increase the appeal of the core product with the loyalty offering. So, so if you can drive an increase in market share, um, then then that becomes justifiable. Obviously, from a cost perspective, you want to ensure that um, the costs are optimal and and we're not spending um, in a in a way that that's not befitting. The the second one is really around um, share of wallet. So so if you are a customer and you have one product, can the loyalty offering uh, get you know deeper value in the existing product that you have or add additional products to it. So there it's about increasing the share of wallet with with that customer. And then the third element would be retention. So so we know um, that it's expensive to sell to new clients and and uh, and because there's an acquisition cost that you that you incur that you have to recoup over time. So the longer you you have the client on the books, the the more value um, you can you can realize for the business. So, so I think those are the three elements that you look at: increased acquisition, uh, increased share of wallet, and then increased retention. And then what you want to do is you want to share that value back with the customer in a in a relationship that ends up being a win for all the stakeholders. If you can get that right, um, then your loyalty program will be successful. So that's been it, you know, very fascinating just uh, hearing a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world of loyalty and rewards programs. We're certainly going to get um, Andre back to talk to us about, uh, you know, everything else happening because it is a very interesting space to be in. He mentions the fact that uh, very good for customer acquisition, customer retention, but then also at the same time making sure uh, that value is created and shared um, in a way that creates a win-win um, for all stakeholders um, involved. And also just, you know, the overarching theme being the fact that it's no longer nice to have you can really drive a lot of value um, out of uh, these loyalty programs and also uh, the fact that uh, beyond uh, some of that common thinking that loyalty programs are only for certain types of businesses uh, that these are things that can actually be had um, across various sectors what changes is the type of value that uh, goes through those programs and how um, you then create value for the customers at the end of the day so that was it we were talking to on Andre Fredericks, who is uh, the chief executive of Loyalty and Rewards over at Sandlam Life and Savings. Andre, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Medea. Thank you for having me. This is Mudiwa's Take. Really great discussion, and I think uh, very 
relevant for South Africa and also just given um, where people are right now. I know that through COVID-19, for example, that's where certain businesses really got ahead because of uh, their loyalty programs, loyalty rewards. Over time, um, you know, you've built up, you know, certain amount of rewards on a certain platform and a lot of people are actually able to weather uh, part of the effects of COVID-19, you know, through um, some of what they've been able to accumulate um, in those programs. So, you know, really great to have that type of discussion. But going forward, um, like what uh, Andre was saying, what I'm waiting to see is whether we see more take up of these, uh, you know, reward programs and loyalty programs from other types of businesses, because um, like we said, FMCG types of businesses, that's your fast moving consumer goods, um, your, you know, in the retail sector in particular, um, your, your, your financial institutions, you know, very, being very big on that. Where else can we see, um, you know, something like that? Interestingly, I've seen it. I, I go to a car wash over in Randburg and uh, they do, you know, they, they keep a, a log of how many times you come to get your car washed and after a certain amount um, of car washes, you are able to get a free car wash. It's very basic in terms of uh, the offering, but it, it is just, you know, one of those things um, you know, where you actually think to yourself oh no, if I come here a couple more times then the X number wash is actually going to be a free one and I think things like that do help to drive um, you know more engagement more you know customer customer acquisition because it means that the chances that I'm going to go to a different car wash become less um, right you know where what other sectors can also take advantage of that type of uh, that type of situation I'm pretty sure that in the world of because we keep talking about consumer business to consumer type of relationships but in the more business to business arena I'm pretty sure that there are some really great great offerings that can come about from there you know if uh, if a certain uh, if a certain stockist is able to get to let's say 10,000 units of a certain item that's purchased then you know whatever discounts come along and over time uh, the longer you stay with a certain supplier the more discounts the more added value that they are able to give to you where else can we see something like this we wait to see but certainly a conversation worth continuing And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.